Hey, my food friends. So the other night I was feeling very sorry for myself. I had a full on pity party. It was a really rough day. Things did not go the way I was hoping. The kids were being, um, you know, kids. But because I had had a rough day, I didn't have the patience I would have wished I had for it. Um, so I had this full on pity party, which ended with a pint of Ben and Jerry's that made me feel so much better, aka emotional eating. <laughs> and I know for a long time, emotional eating was something that I did in excess and something that led to self-sabotage. But in this particular setting, I am happy to report it was a pleasant experience. The Ben & Jerry's actually did make me feel better. I did not eat the entire pint and I consumed this ice cream while practicing other self-care tools to help me through my little pity party. And I have to tell you, it took me a while to get to this place where I could effectively emotionally eat. So today, what I want to break down for you is one, why emotional eating works and when it doesn't work and five steps to stop taking emotional eating to the overload phase because that's really where it becomes problematic. That's where we start to feel shame or it leads to a binge or becomes self-sabotage. So we are going to be talking about what is effective emotional eating, breaking down some of the shame associated with it, and how to stop emotional eating overload, how to cut ties with food as your primary and therefore self-sabotaging coping mechanism, and how to turn it into something that you can do that does make you feel better, but it doesn't lead to shame or guilt or regret the morning after syndrome. (laughs) All right, friends, super excited to break it down with you guys today. Hey, awesome. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you're ready to stop falling into diet culture traps and finally put together a realistic plan on how to boost your energy. You might feel stuck because you can't quite kick the chocolate habit. The whole body love thing isn't getting the job done. Or maybe you're at an impasse because you are pushing it in the gym, but you can't figure out how and what to eat. How many times have you Googled best diet and found that the latest trend has failed you? Hey girl, I'm Jess registered dietitian, wife, mama, and total science and nutrition research junkie. I too used to be stuck in the cycle of insecurity and never feeling like my body was good enough. Then I tried to fix it with food only to end up right back where I started. I did some really hard work. I found food freedom, but then I was confused on how to eat healthy and get fit without falling back into diet culture crazy. I wish someone would have taught me the difference between discipline and obsession. I wanted to be the healthiest version of myself by balancing healthy eating with food freedom. Like how do I actually eat healthy, get fit, and have donuts with my kids? It wasn't until I figured out this awesome balance between discipline and permission, the art of intentional eating with sprinkles of flexibility. The empowered eating model was born. Here on the show, we nix diet culture while creating values-based health goals. We reconnect with how our body responds to food through biofeedback, all the while figuring out a plan on how to get healthy and fit without sacrificing the most meaningful parts of life. Sustainability doesn't mean never eating your favorite foods again. I mean, pizza is life, right? (laughs) We are here to finally not just feel comfortable, but confident in our body. I am so excited to fuel your awesome with empowered eating. Head on over to JessBrownRD.com and grab my three steps to empowered eating guide totally free or hop onto my e-course food foundations to get the step-by-step deets on how I got here. All right, you ready to take your inner awesome to the next level? So grab that cup of coffee, lace up those running shoes, because girl, it's time to go. So 
So I wonder how many of you initially heard me talk about my emotional eating with Ben and Jerry's and thought, oh my gosh, I could never do that. Or wait, I thought emotional eating was bad. Here's the deal with emotional eating. I think it gets a really bad rap because the science shows us that consuming foods that are higher in sugar or fat, they do make us feel better. Like we have to come to grips with this reality. One of the studies that I thought was so crazy cool is they actually showed people, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but they showed people these pictures of things that would invoke a negative emotion and they had them rate their emotional response to these images. And then they also showed people these pictures Same thing, same setup, had them rate their emotional response, but they did this while they were hooked up to an IV that administered fatty acids directly into their bloodstream. So in other words, this would be the same effect of like eating Ben and Jerry's while you look at negative things. I compare this to my current situation where I had a really tough day and it was made better by my Ben and Jerry's consumption. Now, that's all good and true. Where it becomes problematic and where we start to struggle with emotional eating is when we are using it literally as a drug to numb out and consuming these higher sugar or high fat foods in excess that we now start to have medical complications or comorbidities that come as a result of that. Now, one of the slippery slopes with using food as a coping tool is that it is so easily accessible. And this is why I think it does become a problem so quickly to most people because we have food everywhere. It's relatively cheap compared to other at coping tools like shopping or for me, my shoe habit, like that's expensive, right? I can't do that every day. Or if I did, I'd be in really big trouble. (laughs) I'd have some serious explaining to do. Whereas food, you know, going through a drive-through, spending $5 is relatively a small, it's a small impact in that moment. And so it's really easily accessible, which can set us up if we're not careful to start to over abuse this over time. This is where emotional eating doesn't work. So can we effectively emotionally eat? I do have some guidelines that I love to walk through clients with on how to effectively emotionally eat and how to do it with boundaries like I did with my pity party and Ben and Jerry's night. (laughs) But before we can even do that, before I can go into it, there are five things that I think we have to do to even get to this place. And I'm going to break these down for you guys today. Number one we have to be eating consistently and regularly. If I were to take my Ben and Jerry's night and look at that day, I had my three meals, I had my snacks. So I wasn't going into the emotional eating experience biologically hungry. A lot of times when people use food as a coping tool, they forget to use food for fuel. They forget to use it for what it's for. And so reframe or repackage that scenario like what if I had gone all day and only eaten one meal now I'm upset on my night and feeling sad for myself wanting to feel better only I'm also biologically really hungry I definitely would have downed that entire pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream so we have to be eating consistently if you're not eating consistently I generally set people up on a schedule just to help get them going in that direction like eating at certain times throughout the day that can help build routine and habit. So that's number one. Number two, this one's scary to some people, but I believe in it wholeheartedly. We have to legalize all food. We cannot have this list of good or bad foods. And I've, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. We really, really dive into this deep in Food Foundations, my online e-course. But when we have good or bad food lists, and then we have a bad day and we want something that is high in sugar or high in fat, if it's on the bad food list 
and we just like resist, 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 and then all of a sudden we're feeling sad for ourselves, and then we say, okay, fine, screw it, I'm going to have it. It's like we've opened the floodgates, and now we think, oh, well, I'm going to have it now, and I don't know if I'll ever have it again, or I'm swearing it off tomorrow, so guess what? I'm just going to eat all of it. Friends, if we can legalize all food from the beginning, we don't set ourselves up to overeat or over binge these high sugar, high fat foods in the moment because we could have it anytime. We could have it when we're sad. We could have it when we're happy. We could have it when it's just an average Tuesday. But bottom line, it doesn't have this like deep allure because we're not allowed to have it because it's on the bad food list. Okay, so that's number two. Number three is eat protein at meals. I talk about this all the time. I talked about it on the Health Hack series last week. I talk about it in the e-course. I talk about it with every single client I meet with because I cannot stress this enough. Most women do not eat adequate protein. This is one of the first things I look at when I do a fuel plan evaluation. We need to be consuming protein at every single meal, and here's why. Protein is going to be our most satiating nutrient. When we are trying to avoid overeating and over-emotional eating, we have to make sure we're biologically set up so that we don't put ourselves in a biological scenario where we will overeat. Kind of like number one, we need to be eating consistently, regularly. We also need to be eating protein at our meals and snacks so that we aren't going into the next scenario or meal really, really hungry. Okay, that's number three. Number four. This one I also talk about a lot on this show, but I'm going to reframe it a bit for you. So hear me out. Add volume to your food at meals with fruits and veggies. I know, I know, Jess, this is old news. It's not sparkly. It's the same thing we've been hearing for the last 25 years, but there's a lot of truth in it. And from this particular angle, when we're working on overcoming emotional eating, what happens when we add fruits and veggies to our meal is we give our microbiome a dramatic boost. Your microbiome is the lining of gut bacteria or bacteria you have in your gut. And this bacteria has a direct line of communication to your brain through your vagus nerve. It is going to produce metabolites. That's right. Those microbes in your gut are digesting the food just like our bodies do. And there are byproducts of that metabolism that then communicate to our brain. And it's going to communicate either a positive message or a not so great message. When we consume foods like fruits and vegetables, we allow our microbiome to produce messages to our brain that give it the tools for creating hormones like serotonin. In fact, they believe that 90% of our serotonin is made in our gut, and that's maximized when we're eating fresh fruits and vegetables. So add this reason number you know 937 <laughs> as to why it's important to consume some form of fruit and veggie with your meal. Now, I only have one caveat to this. If you are someone that's recovering from an eating disorder, and your goal is nutritional rehabilitation, we wanna be careful with this one. Fruits and veggies do take up a lot of space in your stomach, and if you are coming from a malnourished, undernourished place, you'll know you're in this category if you do not have a regular menstrual cycle, then this one we wanna be careful with. Make sure you're adding fruits and veggies to your meals, but it needs to not be the bulk of your meal. So you're in a unique category, and I hope you're working independently with a dietitian (laughs) to walk you through that. That's number four, adding volume to your food at meals with fruits and veggies for that microbiome boost. Now, number five, this is where we could spend a lot of time. Number five is get acquainted with the emotional wheel or work on building 
your emotional intelligence. If you follow me on social media, you'll see an example of this. But there are, there are several, I mean, just go Google emotional wheel and you'll see this pop up. Oftentimes, we have a very limited vocabulary on how we can identify and explain some of the emotions we're feeling within our body. Some of those that immediately pop up might be like anger, calm, happy, excited, relief, shame, afraid, stress. Very, very basic. But the emotional will, what it does is it takes those basic emotions and it expands and it offers alternative words or perhaps words that would give us more insight into why we're feeling what we're feeling. So for example, if we're feeling stress, instead of just saying, I feel stress, we could look at maybe I'm feeling tired. Maybe I'm feeling heavy. Maybe I feel muscle tightness. Like maybe it is physiological. Maybe I need, then what I need is not to like not go to work. Maybe what I need is actual rest. Maybe I need to reroute some of the things in my schedule. Maybe I need to take and practice some better routines of self-care. Let's look at the emotion fear or afraid. You know, there's other words we could use like horror, nervous, insecure, terror, scared, mortified, anxious, worried, inadequate, inferior. All of these words, again, are going to help us identify what's really at the root cause of this emotion. So if I just stop at fear, I might not actually figure out why I'm feeling fear. But if I say like, am I feeling inferior? Am I feeling worried? Am I feeling dread? Like those are all words that can prompt me to dive in deeper. Here's the thing. When we dive in deeper to these emotions, it decreases how much we rely on food to mitigate them. It does take more work, friends. Yep, but we're not here on this podcast to take the easy way. (laughs) We are here to dive in deeper and really work to be better versions of ourselves. And that takes work. It takes being mindful. It takes being present. And I know you guys are here for the challenge. I know you're here because you're listening to this podcast and you wouldn't be doing this extra work if you didn't want to put in the work. So do yourself a favor, Google emotional wheel and spend some time looking at this. And the next time you feel an emotion, instead of trying to run away from it or avoid it or just get rid of it, actually lean into it for a little bit. Explore it. See if you can find some alternative words using a feelings wheel to figure out why you're feeling this and what you could do besides going through a drive through or besides grabbing a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Now, once you do all of these things, like once you eat on a schedule, you know you're eating consistently, you've legalized all foods, you're getting adequate protein and fruits and veggies at every meal, and you've developed a little bit more emotional intelligence and awareness, now you have set yourself up to be in a situation where you can come home and feel all the feels, know why you're feeling anxious or fear or stress, Sit down and intentionally practice self-care. And maybe you choose to have Ben & Jerry's as a part of that. I do. It makes me feel good. But I also know I I can keep it within a boundary so that I don't overdo it and feel worse (laughs) later. Maybe that's not in your self-care routine. Like maybe you don't want that to be part of your pity party (laughs) and sitting through that. Maybe it's just Netflix. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's going for a walk. Everybody's practice here is going to be different, but we have to spend some time figuring out what that looks like for us. When we try to figure it out in the middle of the emotional distress, that's when we go to our default. That's when we typically go to binge eating or emotional overeating. Friends, it is worth the time to figure this out. So before you end today, I want to invite you to take a minute and look at your daily routine with food. Are you practicing these five things? Or I guess they would be four things. Eating regularly. Have you done the work legalizing all food? If you haven't done that, 
go ahead and check out Food Foundations. <laughs> it is going to do you a lot of favors. Um, do you eat adequate protein at every meal? And are you more often than not focused on including some form of fruit and veggies in most your meals or snacks? I definitely agree it doesn't happen every time, but at least for the most part, when you have the opportunity, do you prioritize including that? Once we have that, awesome. Second step is to develop more of this emotional intelligence and figure out how you want to handle them, how you want to manage them. Sometimes we feel negative feels and we want to, like I said, get rid of them. But, you know, being sad or being stressed or anxious, it is as much a part of life as being happy or excited. I mean, I wish it wasn't that way, but it really is. We cannot have the good in life without some of the struggle. We cannot have the yin without the yang. I love how Glennon Doyle puts it in her book, Untamed. She says, we have to rewrite what being a successful human means. We have to rewrite that if it's easy, we're doing it right. Chances are if it's hard, we're actually doing it right. And here, if we're facing some of these emotions that feel uncomfortable and we want to run away from them, but we sit in them and we learn how to handle them, friends, I am here today to let you know you're doing it right. So we are going to need some sort of plan on how we're going to sit and work through these emotional or these negative emotional waves. For me, I have found that when I have rough days or I'm feeling these feels, I, one, cannot make any decisions. I can't try to create things. Like trying to fix some of these negative emotions with more productivity is not my jam. So instead, I give myself permission to stop the productivity and just kind of chill for a bit. I like to watch movies with my family. We are huge Avengers fans and we have this projector that was gifted to us by a friend and we'll set it up in our bedroom. We'll watch an Avenger movie. I will grab some Ben and Jerry's, absolutely. And we're gonna snuggle. And I always light a candle. I know that sounds like trivial, but it's not. It emits this wonderful smell that makes me feel good. It makes me feel like my house is not covered in boy and dog. <laughs> this whole routine is something that I have found really helps me get through. And the best part of it is that when I practice this in the evening, the next morning I wake up and those emotions, they're not quite as strong. And I work through it. And then I can get back to some of my goals and my productivity and my to-do list. But because I took that time out, I faced the emotion. I managed it in a non-self-sabotaging way. I can wake up the next day and press on forward. Guys, I did not used to be like this for years. I didn't know how to identify my emotions. I did not know how to sit in negative emotion. I hated it. I, ugh, I couldn't stand it. I was like, I am allergic to any anxiety. And instead... I would use any coping tool I could to stuff it down. I would use drinking, I would use partying, and of course I would use food. And over time that really put me in a compromising position and I was not the healthiest version of myself. So my hope today is that this can help kickstart your journey and help you balance emotional eating. If you are in a situation where you are using food as a primary coping tool and you're finding that you are overloaded with emotional eating, you binge eat, you feel crappy. Friends, start with those five steps. I guarantee you that will take you so far. And if you're wanting to dive into that deeper, I would love to walk with you on that journey. My Food Foundations course does talk a lot about how to mitigate some of this stuff and it sets you up for biological success or we could always hash it out one-on-one. -on -one. I love getting to meet with y'all face-to-face. But my ultimate hope and prayer today is that this gives you enough to get started, friends. Get out that piece of paper, get your journal out, 
take me up on some of these invitations and get started on this journey. Emotional eating can be effective, but we've got to do this work first. For more resources, you can always download my free guide to empowered eating over at JessBrownRD.com. Friends, I hope you found this helpful and I am wishing you a, I hope you don't embrace any negative emotions, but if you do, I hope you're able to manage them in non-self-sabotaging ways today. I hope you have a great rest of your day and in this case, cheers and happy emotional eating. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.